sometimes Ariane, you just gotta you gotta just drop from the sky inside of a fucking car, you know, to get where you're going. It's actually a really efficient mode of transport. Um, you don't have to pay luggage fees, visas, etc. Just jump, just jump out of a building with a car. Absolutely, you can do anything you want to as long as you have a car that can, you know, fly jump. from a fucking yeah. plane and you know, <laughs> has a parachute on it. Yeah. You know? I don't know if that is true because you got to have the money for that. So, <laughs> oops. Welcome to Franchise, presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, the podcast where each season we go through some of Hollywood's biggest movie franchises one film at a time as we try to figure out what makes a franchise good, what makes a franchise bad, hey, what makes a franchise work, and is, is it worth your time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Is this franchise worth your time, Ariane? Yes, always. <laughs> I would rather spend my time doing watching these movies than um, most responsibilities that I have. So, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? Exactly. My name is Jonathan Foster. I'm here each and every week with my co-host and colleague and comrade. What's her name? Ariane and Nancy Fruitry. My daughter. What up, Dad? What's going on, Ariane? I'm good. Ariane, mm-hmm. I've, I, I, I. I Still, like, I don't know, sad, sad, sad stuff that sure. we're about to talk about this oh week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, it's, it's still sad. Heartbreaking. I can't stuff. get over it. Yeah. Too real. Very sad uh, that we lost Paul Walker. It's a bit, I don't know. I never really cared much about this series back in the day. And I know we get to the point where mm-hmm. we talk about his passing in this episode this week. And like, I didn't, I didn't really like care about the series back then, but. When he passed away, it really did suck because really I, did, I really yeah. did like that first film a lot. Yeah. And I've always held, held it like it, it always held a special place in my heart. And uh, just seeing it was just sad. The whole thing is sad. For sure. And I know I talked about like the very first episode about how it was hard to see Paul Walker being so young and knowing what we know now. Yeah. That like, you know, him passing away from from like a very horrible car accident. And yeah, it's just sad. So. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Uh, it's horrible. Get a lot it's of tough. Bummer, yeah, bummer city sure. this week. Bummer city, um, yeah. for sure. But um, it's actually like I think one of the like we said last week. Like it's it's incredibly um, heartwarming and 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 tasteful what they do to sort of honor him and send him off, and mm-hmm. they continue to um, as the series goes on, which is super wonderful. Um, and yeah, yeah, I went on a bit of a Paul Walker retrospective fairly recently just because he's in a bunch of like, he's in a wide array of projects and a lot of them I secretly enjoy and a lot of them I have never heard of. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I saw Brick Mansions again and I was like, this is fun. Like if you saw the like original French version, which was also super fun. It's just like, again, smooth brain, but you know, he gets to, be a little bit you know different he's he's not brian o'connor and and stuff like that and i saw and i saw pawn shop chronicles which i did not enjoy simply because he paul walker had very little screen time and he shares a bit of that screen time with um norman reedus (laughs) from the walking dead and i was like oh they know each other that's so wild i don't know if we'll ever get to do any like television yeah products with this uh with this series that we're doing or sorry with this show we're doing uh franchise but ariane and i both yeah really really adore the walking we, we do yeah and we're, we we're get big, kicks out of like talking about sure. it yeah. off the air with each other so yeah we're we're, we're, we're big <laughs> yeah. yeah walking dead heads or we're you know walking dead pilled as the kids would say <laughs> uh, i don't know ariane you know what 
before too long uh-huh. because we are like on the second part of this series. Yeah, like, we're, we're well into yeah. like, the second half. We're near the finish line. Yeah, we're so close to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And that means that like very soon we're going to have some, I don't know, say mm-hmm. news about a season two. And yeah. who, knows? who knows? Maybe a side mission. Mm-hmm. With that season could take us into the Walking Dead yeah, universe. Perhaps. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Just a fun side mission. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. This film is is always like a hard watch for me, just because I remember yeah. seeing it in theaters. I think we talk about it later in the episode, but I remember seeing it in theaters and I remember yeah. crying. And it was such a huge deal. Um when yeah. it really affected everyone, I think. Just um even if you you like kind of just saw it because you were seeing it with your friends or if you you know cared about the franchise at the, at the time furious seven came out it's yeah it was a it was a hard watch um but absolutely it's also like one of the more i think it gets into its like blockbuster groove for sure it gets into that it really competes with the avengers's and the the justice leagues of of the world absolutely. i think um, they do some insane stuff yeah. this this week on this episode for sure uh, in this film there's some really off the wall stuff, and dare I say, this is the this is the film where I feel like did they jump the shark? They jumped did they lots of jump things. A car through a fucking building. Three buildings. Uh, sir. Excuse me. Do not so, do not forget about those other two buildings. Yeah, there may not be like an actual shark, but many things were jumped. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot going on this week. There's a lot of dumb shit. Mm-hmm. There's possible jumping of shark. Yeah. And then there's the swan song for Mr. Paul, Paul Walker. Walker. Yeah. So there's so much to talk about this week. I think we should just go ahead and get into it. Mm-hmm. But first, I will say there's a little bit of housekeeping notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we recorded this episode, Ariane's microphone, unfortunately, was or her cable was her XLR cable. Oh, had yeah. Unfortunately, crapped out on her. Yeah. And we had to um, we were really short for time when we recorded the episode and we recorded it using your computer microphone. I, I think so. So yeah. the quality isn't Stark. that great. Yeah. So we're sorry. I'm sorry. We apologize ahead of time, but yeah. hopefully you kind of get used to it as you're listening to it. But hopefully it's not too mm-hmm. bad for you guys. And it's fine from the next episode on. No, because I so, got a new cable. It's apologies. Fine. Yeah, apologies. <laughs> I am very, very sorry because I hate it when stuff like that happens. Um, All right, well, let's get into it. Let's go. Ariane. Yes. <sighs> Charlotte O'Sullivan. <laughs> London Evening Standard. You know, you know what's going on here. Yeah, here we go. The latest installment of the franchise cost a pretty penny, yet often feels less like a slick blockbuster than a demented daytime soap. Sarah Stewart of the New York Post said, car racing, vengeance, logic-defying stunts, and stuff blowing up. Too much stuff blowing up, really. We came for the cars and the reckless, gorgeous drivers. We can get explosions anywhere. Hmm. <laughs> Mark Kermode Ooh. of The Observer. We know this guy. He has a lot of opinions on things and we'll see what he has about this. He says a deafening orgy. He used the word orgy, deafening orgy of explosions, car chases, well-polished bumpers, human and automotive. Oof. Explosions, fistfights, and more explosions. See, 
Sarah Stewart of the New York Post did not like the explosions. Mark Mode loved the explosions. Mark Kermode was horny on Maine for the explosions. He was oh well my up. goodness. <laughs> Sir, keep it in the, you know, keep it in your pants, Mark. It wouldn't be, you know, this series if we didn't hear from this guy, Peter Travers of the Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. He always has something to say. This one sticks with you. Forget the plot, bumps, muscle acting, the tweet length dialogue. Fair enough. I mean, he's on something there. And finishing the film with Paul Walker's honor clearly brought out the best in everyone. It did. Kate Muir of the Times UK said, cars don't fly is the recurring cry in Fast and Furious 7 and in scene after improbably, <laughs> improbably hilarious heavy metal crashing scene, this idea is disproved. She is not lying. And finally, our new boy, Felix Felix Vasquez Jr. This is my own little joke throughout this series. Felix Gonzalez couldn't make it with us anymore. So Felix Vasquez Jr. is here of Cinema Craze. He's back saying, Fast and Furious 7 really is the top of the series and what it can accomplish when it concocts some thrilling characters. Well, Ariane, this is our next installment in the ongoing Pod Fast and Furious series. been at this for a long time now let's recap all right so we've watched a young white boy street racing enthusiast cop infiltrate a street racing crew in order to catch some stealing dvd players then we watched that same young white boy all decked out in his finest west coast choppers gear he heads to miami on the run from johnny law reunites with his childhood pal and ends up helping the fuzz take down a drug dealer jury is still out on that because we don't actually know if that's what really happened i have no or idea if he's really a drug dealer yeah who knows I'm not sure we've even headed into the future to tokyo to follow a new younger white boy to learn the ancient ways of the drift then we went back to the past where our original white boy cop hero is a cop hero again and returns to reconcile with the street racing crew that he screwed over from the first film and they work together to take down another drug lord. After getting bored with taking out drug lords, our elite street racing drug lord disposal team turned their sights to heisting millions of dollars from corrupt businessmen while falling under the radar of a gigantic greased up U.S. federal agent. After respect and familia are given around, and heists are all said and done, the elite street racing crew become street racing spies and help the gigantic greased-up U.S. federal agent take down a skilled British mercenary trying to steal a tech bomb? Little did they know they picked the wrong skilled British mercenary trying to steal a tech bomb to mess with. He just so happens to have a brother, and it will all come to head in... Furious, 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 Furious. That was seven Furiouses. If you were counting, it's Fast and Furious 7. The most important thing in life will always be the people right here, right now. That's what's real. Hello? Dominic Toretto. You don't know me. You're about to. 
who did this. Remember Owen Shaw? This is his big bad brother. He's a special forces assassin. They created a monster. Looks like the sins of London have followed us home. We're being hunted. Shaw lives in a world that doesn't play by your rules. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. This time it ain't just about being fast. Should somebody just walk me through what we supposed to be doing? Yo, Roman, you need some fresh air? <laughs> Everybody get just when you didn't think it could get any better, huh? We got mercenaries after us with enough weapons to wipe out small countries. This right here takes crazy to a whole nother level. So what's the plan, Don? One last ride. Nope, I'm not looking. What's up now? What's up now? What's up now? What's up now? journey what a journey we've been on holy cow yeah the the animated series fast and furious spy races lives up to its name and so does the entire franchise because they are now spies but they were racers yeah put them together spy racers i think we're gonna do a spy racers episode at some point oh hell yeah we've got to yeah all right vengeance hits home dominic toretto and his familia thought they left the criminal mercenary life behind them, but are caught in a quagmire when a comatose Owen Shaw's brother, Deckard Shaw, seeks bloody revenge. To make matters worse, a Somalian terrorist named Jakande and a shady government official named Mr. Nobody are both competing to steal a computer terrorism program called God's Eye that is able to hack any phone, camera, and microphone to track down anyone on the planet. Toretto must reconvene with his team to stop Shaw and retrieve God's eye while caught in a power struggle between the terrorists and the United States government. I think that's what happened. It's 2015. Allegedly, that's what happened. (laughs) It's the 2015 action revenge flying car spy thriller with just enough street racing to be classified as a Fast and Furious film directed by James Wan and written by Chris Morgan, that's more like it. Hot takes out the gate. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. God damn. There's a lot to unpack here. And I was really excited for us to get to this point because Furious 7 is just like, wow. 
Yeah. Um, I first saw Furious 7 when, in high school. I was still in high school. And funny enough, when I graduated high school, the song that we had to sing on graduation was the um, special track for this film, yeah. See You Again by Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth. So Fast and Furious has taken over my entire life without <laughs> me knowing it. And I remember going to see this in theaters and I was just absolutely shattered by the end of it. Like I was crying and I was like, why am I crying in a Fast and Furious film? Um, <laughs> because I don't know, it just tugged at my heartstrings that they did for Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think it was like eight movies in one go. At least that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, good God. <laughs> it was a good God. They traveled everywhere. It felt like a Mission Impossible film because I think they share a lot of the same locations as the last maybe four Mission Impossible films. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very, I think it's it's definitely competing against all the big blockbusters that were out at the time. So this is like the height of, Avengers, the new Star Wars just came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, all these other like Jurassic World. Jurassic World, yeah. uh, Mission Impossible. Like, yeah, it's just competing with everything and it is delivering, but I think it got lost. But it, it is a very familiar dynamic that we've, I've grown to love all the characters as this version of them in this film. That's the people that I remember. But I think they, they do get lost in the sauce a little bit mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the Twitter length uh, dialogue, the tweet length dialogue, because that's so true. I can't, yeah. I, lit- I literally, we'll get to it later. Like one of the characters, one of the new uh, characters that are introduced, I'm like, girl, what? You, people don't talk like this. Like, why are they doing this to you? <laughs> um, but yeah, long winded way of saying hot take. I had fun. I always have fun with these films. Yeah. But this one is special because I saw it. Um, I went to bed, I went to sit in theaters and saw it when I was in high school, so it was a pretty huge deal for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, well, I started this film out just thinking, holy shit, this is hitting all the notes. This felt like a really good mix of all the movies. You had yeah. a really good start with the street racing. You had like an amazing fight sequence. You had some insane bullshit spy crap that was happening. So it was like this film was, it started to feel like they were figuring how to blend everything in really nicely where they're like, we're still going to give you everything you want from the old films for all the old fans. It's like fan service, but then we're going to like give you what we've turned the series into and we're going to give it to you really, really well. But if I could, the reason why I put those two uh, reviews in with uh, the woman saying there's like too many explosions and then mm-hmm. Kermode talking about the explosions was that I'm kind of somewhere in the middle there. There's, it's like, I got to a point where this film <laughs> was just like so long, where it's just so long. like probably a good 20, 30, 40 minutes too long. Like I mm-hmm. get what they were trying to do with, with Paul Walker and Brian. And I really, really appreciate the way they do that. And I have a lot of thoughts on that and we'll get to it a little bit, but just like there was so much going on and it was just like, it started to feel sort of repetitive, even though they were doing Mm -hmm. like these really crazy things. And I'm almost like, well, I mean, if you've already done some pretty impressive, insane things that you don't really need to drive a car through three buildings in this particular (laughs) film, like you could save that for another film and that would be a really fun Thing. like 
you don't need to do all of it in one. And like you said, there's just so much going on, so many films in one. But yeah, I just started to get kind of silly. Like, uh, I really liked the Jaconde character, but I almost felt like we didn't need him when we had Decker Shaw. We didn't, yeah, we didn't need him, but also they could have used, utilized him a lot more as like a threat because he didn't feel like, he didn't feel like that much of a worry to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though that character is pretty threatening, I think that would have established Ramsey, the new character, much better. And that would have added more drama and more jeopardy for the characters, Mm -hmm. I think. And, oh, I also love this film because my one and only, my preferred bald man, Deckard Shaw, is introduced here. Yeah. And I adore him. Yes. Deckard Shaw is a very interesting character. And it's it's funny because I think the last episode we did, I was talking about mm-hmm. I wasn't that big of a fan of Jason Statement, yeah. but yeah, I kind of turned around on him with, in this, and it's it was a good. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Hobson Shaw. Let me just say that. Hell yeah! We'll get to something that really made the movie for me, and it was very early mm-hmm. on. I I'm not gonna lie, I did love the flying cars. I already threw some shade at flying yeah. through the fucking buildings. But by that point, I think my my brain was what what were we saying in the last? <laughs> it was way smooth. Smooth was, brain. This is smooth brain to the max. Yeah, it was draining yeah. out my ears. Like, yeah. <laughs> like my brain. It's like an I, episode of Westworld. Yeah. We are, yeah, there's liquid coming out of our ears. Yeah. I had to like snort it up after the film to get some of my brain yeah. content back. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty intense, but uh there's a lot going on. But um let's get into it. I mean, okay, so if you remember the previous film, it was originally set to be a two-parter, but they nixed the idea after whittling down to fit all of the the big show-stopping bits. So you have the tank sequence and you have the finale with the plane. Those got whittled down into one film. And mm-hmm. in an interview in February of 2012, Joanne Johnson said that the two intended sequels would no longer be filmed simultaneously because of weather issues and filming locations and that the production on Fast 7 would only begin after the completion of Fast 6. So they, by this point, just like, okay, separate film. And it was during the post-production of Furious 6 that our boy, Justin Lin, noticeably absent so far in the discussion of this film. Mm-hmm. The director of each of the previous installments, dating all the way back to 2006, Tokyo Drift, announced that he would not return to direct the seventh film as the studio wanted him to produce the film on an accelerated schedule for the release in summer 2014. So they had just, I mean, he's in post-production. He, they just wrapped and he hasn't even finished. Yeah, they want him to dig in. Yeah. And this would have required him to begin pre-production on the sequel while he was still performing post-production of uh, Fast and Furious 6, which he considered would affect the quality of the final product. And yeah. this is despite the usual two-year gap between the previous installments, Universal chose to like pursue a quicker sequel due to having like fewer reliable franchises at the competitor's studios coming out. Because I think I brought this up in a couple episodes back that it was just kind of weird how Fast and Furious films were always coming out in the same year that X-Men was coming out. And yeah. that was a big thing to compete with. Even though those films kind of suck. And to be honest, we're talking about franchise and stuff. Maybe one day we'll go through the X Men films because we'll I like. The X-Men films. I really like some of them, but yeah, some of I've them are trash. All of them with my mom. Yeah, like this past month. I think the only ones I haven't watched is the most recent one, the Phoenix one, the Dark Phoenix one. I yeah. liked that better than the one before it. 
Um, yeah, the apocalypse. I digress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, Okay, we'll do we'll do we'll do that franchise because I have so much to say about Apocalypse Alone. But um, <laughs> yeah, I find it definitely good on Justin Lin for not taking it on immediately, you know. Yeah. And he ended up doing the Star Trek film in between, yeah. did he not? Because yeah, yeah. Um, he ended up jumping into that ship and Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice. It's like so we're gonna have a little mini break from Justin Lin. I know he comes back mm-hmm. with the one that's not out yet. But uh, yeah. he's also not in the next film. Uh, we're yeah. not directing the next film. So we have a mini break from our boy, Justin Lin. But let's give a round of applause for Justin Lin. He's changed the shape of this series. For like, sure. he, oh goodness, I mean, yeah. it's insane, like, to think back. I, I know I still always have it on the bottom of my list. Um, Tokyo Drift. Yeah. But I kind of feel bad about that. Like, I, I know if I, I want like to... If I watch like, it, I'm going to go back and be yeah. like, no, no, no. It's still on the bottom of the list. But yeah. there's something kind of nice about it. In a, it's very in a kitsch. Weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't it's think it's quirky. a good movie, but I kind of yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. And that's like my actual genre of favorite movies. Like, yeah. it's not a good movie, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Justin Lin moved on. But he actually did say that uh, Furious Six was always kind of meant to be his final installment. So, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, let's pour out a Corona for our boy, uh, mm-hmm. Justin Lin. Out of the picture, Universal tapped the Malaysian Australian director James Wan, known at this point for directing Saw, mm-hmm. Dead Silence, Death Sentence, Insidious, Insidious Chapter Two, and The Conjuring. That's it. He'd only just started the Conjuring franchise, really. And yeah. I it's crazy. Like, I kind of forgot he did this. And it's just like, it's always kind of crazy to look at James Wan's filmography. filmography. It's just like, holy crap. Like, the, he started the whole Saul series, which is huge. Yeah. He's a, that's a commercial horror director, if I've ever yeah. seen one. Dead Silence and Death Sentence were done in the exact same year. One's about, like, this stupid doll. And I remember it being kind of a letdown. And then Death Sentence was the uh, the one, it was like the vehicle for Kevin Bacon to do a revenge thriller. So it's like he's mostly done these horror films and stuff, James Wan. But then it's like he almost took that Death Sentence uh, vibe, that thriller, that revenge thriller vibe, and threw it into this film. Like it's interesting that he was picked, but I mean it's kind of cool. He stepped out of his usual horror like tropey sort of self that he's, he's always doing horror films and it's kind of nice to see him like do something different. And then that led to obviously like he's done, like he did Aquaman, right. And he's doing Aquaman too. And yeah, yeah, so that's really cool. James Wan. I don't know what you think of the Saul films or the conjuring and all that sort of stuff. I don't have much of an opinion on Saul myself because I didn't really like the first film and I don't like torture porn. films. (laughs) Like it's just kind of, it's kind of like cringy for me to see shit like that. But the Conjuring, the Conjuring's not bad to be honest. For, I like the first one. Yeah, I like the first one. I'm vehemently like, I vehemently dislike the second one just because I didn't have fun, and I yeah. like horror movies where you, you can have fun. Mm-hmm. Insidious, I liked. Um, no, James Wan, I think is very talented and he knows what he's doing, and he knows yeah. like not only what studios want of him, but he knows what he wants to get out of himself. I think, yeah. and I think you can see that in this film because. I think he did the best with what he's got. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think they really, Chris Morgan definitely really did try to like bring everything back, tie everything back in from the beginning. Like race wars. We haven't seen race wars since the first film. Which, let me just say, I adored, I'm, I've missed Hector. Hector makes a little cameo, but I mm-hmm. also I also was very surprised to find Iggy Azalea there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where she disappeared to in the Kingsman movies. What was I saying? I got distracted by Iggy <laughs> Azalea. Fuck. Um, no, James Wan, I think, did a really decent job with this. Yep. I also think, however, like... There are some action sequences, like you said, were repetitive, but I think that's sort of a play, and I'm not justifying it in any way, because it should, like, films like this shouldn't be repetitive, it should be exciting, and, and it should move the story along, but it felt like you were saying that the death sentence and the whole revenge sort of thing, this was like a revenge film on top of another revenge film, because yeah. it's just like, they're trying to get back at each other, yeah. because... You know, they went after Owen and then Deckard goes after them by killing Han and then they go after Deckard for killing <laughs> Han. And yeah, it's, it's just like, and then and then they hurt Hobbs, so then they do it for Hobbs. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 so it's much round and round and round and round. <laughs> yes. And that continues as well um, yeah. through the, the next installment in Hobbs and Shaw. So it's like, yeah, it's a never ending. Like, I feel like revenge is a dish best served cold, but best served once. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, just one one helping of it. Just it's fine. One helping of yeah. it. One tablespoon, fine. If yeah. you want to do it in every meal, I don't think that's healthy. Things should <laughs> we should enjoy things in moderation. Now, don't you go for seconds. Um, now you only have your yeah. revenge. No, plate no, no. Once. That, yeah. You're just one helping of revenge. You know, then you can Deckard, have your dessert. <laughs> no, you're on a diet, Deckard. Please. Yeah, it's a oh, bit. It's a bit yeah. much. I'll get into another thing that I think. Okay, so I think James Wan did a great job in this film. To be honest, like for what it for what it's worth, and I think and the scale that it is. As yeah, well. he, Do you know what I mean. Like he, the set pieces are massive. Absolutely, like he's obviously done some big films with some big mm. budgets. Especially, it continues to grow for him and stuff. But he's also done a lot of stuff like the first Saw, like re- really sort of like contained low budget yeah. you know and i feel like a lot of his films are sort of in that realm whereas this is gigantic and i'll tell you the number later that they spit on this film and it's ridiculous so he he played ball he jumped in uh took over for justin lynn and did a great job but he also i feel like he sprinkled a little bit like you're talking about the revenge thing obviously that's very apparent but there's other little things that were happening uh and it's also probably a little bit on me for trying to avoid too many spoilers about these films before going into them and uh, missing certain elements from just kind of being out of touch with pop culture at the time. Like when it comes to Paul Walker and stuff, I was aware that he died and how he died and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't aware of all the stuff that went into making this movie, which I'll get into, but it's, kind of crazy some of the scenes in this film and i just didn't know what was coming and i'm just like god damn you james <laughs> it's like you're gonna do what now yeah. also but then again it's also that thing of yes these set pieces are huge and massive and elaborate and very very well executed but they're also like incredibly convoluted in the context of like the plan that these group of former carjackers have former yeah. street ra- racers have to you know they're freelancing under the U.S. government. They're trying to fight a terrorist. They're trying to get revenge for their yeah. friends. So they come up with very detailed but like easily avoidable like 
steps in their plan where I'm kind of just like, you know, you could have just like that scene at the end. Why are you playing hot potato with this hacker girl? Like yeah. walk or I don't know, get a, get more cars. I don't know. There's just something about it. that feels like they were trying to go for the shots, like the big shots, the big, ex- they were trying to go for the explosions more so than trying to sort of carry the characters in any strategic way like you know, yeah trying definitely. to prove to mr nobody that you you the reason you got these people because they're the best of what they do but it kind of just feels yeah. like oh they're just they're just winging it which is fine winging yeah. it is fine but it's also just like oh oh i was like did you need to do that yeah. by this point we keep bringing it up and it's like the whole like they're street racers and of course this yeah. has become the running joke with us in particular yeah. for doing this <laughs> yeah. series but it's it like i really don't at this point and i i think like they assume the audience expectations are just going to be, I'm coming in to watch this fast cars, explosions. These guys are involved. These are my guys. And I'm like, fine with that. But at the same time, I don't get how (laughs) cruise street racers became super soldier spies and how they even get credentials to even do that. And ah, we'll get into it. James Wan, before he was actually picked, there's some few other directors who were short, shortlisted for this. Uh, we had Jeff Wadlow, who did Never Back Down and Kick-Ass Ooh. 2. Oh, yeah. Balthazar uh, Cormacor. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. He did Two Guns with Mark Wahlberg and Denzel. Uh, oh. And then there was Harold Zwart, who did Agent Cody Banks, The Pink Panther Ooh. 2. Ooh. And the Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith Karate Kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was talking to my friend about that the other day, just being like, yeah, that was a time to be alive, wasn't it? They had a, it had a Justin Bieber song. That was very <laughs> of its time. And that's where it should stay. Um, much like how this film is so 2015 in the sense that the biggest artists they could get for this film were Wiz Khalifa and Iggy Azalea. Yeah. Very 2000. Very, very 2015. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, alongside James Wan as the director, our boy Neil H. Moritz returns, series producer, back again, alongside Vin Diesel and Michael Fortrell, and our boy Chris Morgan, once again, Mm. to append the script. So soon after all these announcements were coming uh, coming out about who was involved, James Wan, new director, Vin Diesel announced that the film would be released in July the 11th of 2014. And that it will feature Los Angeles, Tokyo, and Middle East as locations. And of course, and unfortunately, that date wouldn't be the release date. Mm-hmm. Filming began on Furious 7 in September of 2013 in Atlanta, which would be masked for many of the LA scenes as well as the park, park and garage scenes in Tokyo. Abu Dhabi was used as the location in the film in the Middle East, and it was picked over Dubai because the crew would benefit for the Emirates 30% rebate scheme. I looked this shit up. Basically, you can apply on their website and you get like 30% back from the money that you spend on your production just by shooting there. They also give you free scouting and all sorts of... Tax credit, Really nice. For all these billions of dollars that this franchise makes, they sure are super cheap when it comes to things like this. I mean, it's fine. I kind of like Abu Dhabi as a location, but it's just like, this isn't the first time they've done this. In Fast Five, they were shooting in like Puerto Rico, but they were masking as Rio de Janeiro in order to save bucks because they got like a tax credit. So, but this is how rich people stay rich. They 
make a lot this of cuts. This is why we must stop them. And this is why uh, we should buy stock in GameStop. <laughs> we should buy GameStop stock and we should eat the rich. Uh, no army hammer, I swear. I, mean, I do not condone that, but eat the damn rich. Uh, <laughs> All these anyway. jokes are going to be like so, so dated. So dated, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because every Wednesday, oh, it's like the last Wednesday in January already. So we don't yeah. know what Wednesdays in February have to bring, but I'm yeah. sure something insane will happen. Yeah, it literally is every Wednesday. Yeah. There's something yeah. new and stupid yeah. to be like, oh, great. Production was seemingly going well up until the crew took a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. And course this is where it gets kind of shitty and sad and dark and unfortunate on november the 30th 2013 at about 3 30 paul walker and his friend roger rotis who is like a businessman i think he's a race car driver he started a charity with paul walker they left an event for this charity that they started together in support of typhoon yolanda the pair hopped in rotis 2004 porsche carrera gt with Rotus driving. They were in a 45 mile per hour speed zone near the Kelly Johnson Parkway in Valencia, Santa Clarita, California. And the car crashed into a concrete lamppost and two trees, subsequently catching fire to the vehicle. Rotus died of multiple trauma while Paul Walker died from the combined effects of trauma and burns. So both of the bodies ended up being burned beyond recognition. And the area, it's popular for drifting, but the police found no evidence of drag racing, nor did they find evidence of drugs or alcohol in either of the two men, or that the road conditions or mechanical failures played a role. The investigation concluded that the car speed was going anywhere from 80 to 93 miles per hour, definitely close to 100. And the age of the tires, they were probably the primary reason for the crash. So obviously... This was a very big story, very shitty thing to see because Paul Walker was like, what, 40? Like, yeah. ah, So sad. Very Um, unfortunate. Yeah. And it was weird too, obviously, like that weird thing in your brain where you're like, wow, like he died in a scenario that is very much so close to like the bone with what he does for a living, what he's known for. Uh, and we've talked about like how weird it is. Like, the, the, I think it was the very first episode before we decided we were going to do this journey. And like, I was just like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like, watching this back and knowing what I know now, and just seeing Paul Walker and just hearing about him doing his own stunts, especially as the films go on, and he was just getting like better and better at driving and stunts and stuff and stunt driving and all that. That he would just do a lot of his own stunts and how scary it kind of looked at times and you see it in the films and stuff. And then just knowing that like, that's how he would pass away and stuff. It's just really shitty. Paul Walker, like, I mean, he's great in these films and he's like, he really is just like, he is, I don't know. We joke a lot about Brian O'Connor. He's uh, like the heart of it. But he's the heart of the film. Yeah. The heart of the film. Yeah. Sure. I don't know like what kind of relationship you had to these films at that point in time. And if you have any sort of like, I don't know, memories of this. Obviously, you said that you were like, you know, you cried when you saw this film. Stuff. I did. How they treated it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Fast and Furious franchise is one of those things where you go out to see it with your friends in a big group, at least at my school. 
we all did that. Or you've got to see it with your family, and they're massive in Asia. Yeah. Um, these films. And after the sixth one, Indonesia was obviously rallying behind the franchise because one of our own was in it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Furious Seven was delayed, and Paul Walker's passing was so unfortunate. I remember just being like, oh "God, that sucks. That's so horrible." Yeah. And his like his daughter was so young at the time. And I think my relationship with this film was kind of like, oh, "I really like. I don't know what they're going to do with it. This is so jarring. Mm-hmm. It's, this is such a." He's obviously a very, like, inspiring public figure, as well as just, like, he seemed like a good dude, you know, so it sucked. Yeah. Um, but then I think I, I remember going to see Furious 7. I remember the last scene, um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, there's just a scene where two cars driven by Dom and Brian sort of drift off to different paths, and then my eyes started stinging. I looked over, like, my friends were all, like, sort of holding hands, and I was like, oh, my God, this <laughs> is really intense. This is yeah. so intense, so fast and furious one. And then I saw another one of Paul Walker's posthumous releases, Brick Mansions, oh, yeah, which yeah. I thought has, like, the there's, like, a fight scene he has with, I think, Tony Jaw. Am I mistaken by Tony Jaw's in this film? He is, yeah. right? Yeah, um, well, there's a fight scene he has with Tony Jaw in the building that was very like, oh, this is so his thing, like parkour and all this like elaborate fight scenes. And then I saw Brick Mansion, and I was like, oh, I get it. And it was really fun to watch because he's clearly like such a he's so into what he does. Yeah, yeah. And that makes everything better. He's committed to it. Absolutely. Just, yeah, it was just really sad, especially like yeah. these are people's lives. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we watch everything and consume everything from such a distance, but you kind of realize that, oh shit, like, you know, these are, I mean, yeah, people are everywhere. People are just like you, and it sucks. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, yeah. yeah, we joke a lot about Paul Walker and his acting and stuff at times. And we joke a lot wearing. about Brian's wardrobe. Yeah, but. It's like, like you said, this I love is, Brian. He, he's committed yeah. to it. He's a, and yeah. this is like very close to just kind of what Paul Walker is. And it's sort of like epitomizes him as a, as a person really like, but I mean, obviously he's so much more than that. And what he, he is to like, obviously he was at a, a charity event and stuff. And like, just the fact that he was doing that, raising, you know, money for people affected by a typhoon. I know he was like involved with a lot of the Haiti crisis and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So he, he was like a very socially conscious man, but also just like everyone seemed to love him, the whole cast and everything. And the whole cast different, so many, he like his, I don't know. I think his death really dropped the whole industry at the time. And I think, it still does because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think the Fast and Furious like franchise was ever the same I think mm-hmm. it was just very well loved by so many people around the world which is yeah. pretty cool yeah um, I mean I'm I'm interested to go forward and kind of see what happens from here with Fate of the Furious and all that yeah um, and obviously there'll be Fast 9 soon so there's still stuff to come but you know it it won't feel it won't be the same even if Brian has taken a big backseat in the last couple of mm. films it won't be the same without him there uh, sure. and it's great that like we can look back we're coming up to 20 years now since the first Fast and Furious film and yeah. 
And oh like, it's God. great that this, like he has this, that really encapsulates Paul Walker. Yeah. This is his legacy, these Fast and Furious films. And of course he did some other great things, but I mean, nothing will ever, I think, touch the legacy of Brian O'Connor and Fast and Furious really. Like it's great. It's a great thing to be a part of. You know, this is a fun franchise. Yeah. It's silly. It's probably way dumb at times, but at the same time, it's like, it's fun. We're having a good it's time fun. talking about We're it. We're having so. a good time. So many people have a good time yeah. with it. And I think that's the whole, not to get very hippy-dippy, but that's kind of the whole point of art, is to yeah. connect with people and give them a little bit of reprieve from real life for a yeah. little bit. Um, these films do that, as does many things for other people. I mean, like, I know some people that are not into the fact any action films at all. Yeah. But there's other stuff that hit for them. Yeah. Uh, in the same way. So, yeah. So nice. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Paul Walker. So, the next day, Universal announced that the production would continue after a delay that would allow the filmmakers to rework the film. And then it was on December the 4th, 2013, that Universal put the production on hold indefinitely. James Wan later confirmed that the film wasn't canceled, and then it was on December the 22nd of 2013 that Vin Diesel announced that the film had been moved to April 2015 release date. Uh, Filming would resume in April of 2014 for eight more weeks, and then that ended on July 2014. So how did they accomplish this, and what did this film turn into? Let's get into the cast and the story, kind of like we've been doing the last few episodes. So... We kick off the film. We're in London. Jason Statham appears as the new villain, Deckard Shaw, standing over the hospital bed of his comatose brother, Owen Shaw, once again played by Luke Evans, who's just in yeah. a bed, not doing anything. <laughs> and everything, yeah. yeah. Dude, I can tell the opening shot. I remember on Twitter, um, somebody tweeted, like, can you tell what film this is from from the shot of London? And I immediately went, that's Furious 7. Like, oh, <laughs> God, I know. Yeah. That is the opening shot to Furious <laughs> yeah. 7. Either A, I've seen it too many times, or B, it's just that distinct yeah. somehow. But I was like, yeah. They've got certain colors for these yeah. films. like that just Certain yeah. colors, certain angles, yeah. certain just the way. <laughs> they make London look really, for lack of a better word, like smooth. <laughs> smooth really black. yeah to fit like, in with that brain <laughs> yeah fit in with that brain no but it, they, they don't make they make london look very high tech yeah very, like, definitely yeah. very blue and, and london's not really like that yeah <laughs> i mean at least not that part of london if you go further down not the river to canary london, wharf yeah. that like looks way like, high tech but yeah but i was like that's <laughs> south london south london does not look like that but i know yeah. that's south london <laughs> yeah. uh, that's better yeah. seat stop yeah, uh, yeah. So Deckard Shaw, he's in the hospital over his brother, Owen Shaw, and he's promising revenge on those that did this to his younger brother. So mm-hmm. obviously Deckard Shaw was introduced in the mid credit scene, if you were with us last time, in Furious 6, revealed to be the person responsible for killing Han. We'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Of course, returning are Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto and Michelle Rodriguez as Letty Ortiz. The pair are driving along and Dom is still trying to get Letty to remember her past. If you remember from the last film, uh, was it, how many films has she been in now where she can't remember anything? Is it, is it just the last one? She came back in the last one, right? Yeah. She came back in the last one. She's basically been gone for two films. Yeah. (laughs) That's the point. Like yeah. if I edit every single film from the first one to the eighth one and then separate it into chunks, I could do a whole, you could binge into like a series. 
and it would probably be more consumable. Um, But yeah, she quote unquote died in the fourth one. Yeah. And was not there for the fifth one. So I realized she's dead. Except for the end credit scene. Except for the end credit scene featuring Monica Fuentes. Yeah, she doesn't remember anything. And Dom has been trying to get her to remember things, which is really heartbreaking. And that's the thing that they sort of carry through through the film. But I like it shows up in such unexpected pockets. (laughs) I don't know if that's the script. I don't know if it's the direction. Because there are moments where I was like, really now is where you want to bring stuff. (laughs) Seriously. Letting now. And then yeah. the culmination of it all, we'll get to it. I know we'll get yeah. to it. You know Definitely. what I'm talking about. I'm kind of just like, girl, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, that was a moment I was like, oh, great. Like, Julia wasn't watching the film with me, but she came in like in the last like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's some what? news. And she was just like, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you we'll get, get those that. what's going on moments yeah. throughout the film as well i think Absolutely. it follows that i don't remember which film we were saying it was about maybe was it the fourth one maybe maybe it was the fourth one but we were kind of like i don't remember what's happening here yeah we get but really i'm watching it do you know what i mean one. yeah like yeah like this this yeah. felt like that as well but yeah i think especially the fact that they were bookended on. by big set pieces yeah especially yeah. later on but the fact that they were bookended by big set pieces i think we'll do better because like i mean we'll do better because it's like yeah. Oh yeah, this is scene with the bus. So this is scene with the parachutes. And this is scene yeah. with this, 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 this. But you don't remember everything else. But yeah, Letty, Letty goes through such an identity crisis within this film, but it's it's all resolved very quickly. Yeah, for the sake yeah. of the action, and I'm kind of just like, let my girl breathe. She's hard. <laughs> yeah, where does he take her? Where does where does Dom take Letty to get her to remember? Race wars. race wars we get the return my of favorite. race wars yeah but there's a bit where it's like so where are we going did we used to letty was like did we used to go here and the dom was like go here we invented it and i was like yeah. Yeah. dominic toretto invented race wars yeah. <laughs> that's what i should say on his wikipedia page yeah Not i wish shit, yo, we should just start that as a campaign we just like dominic toretto invented race wars and yeah. I, I would really like if, uh, I mean, this is really off the wall, but if uh, the idea of Deckard Shaw was that he was really upset, it, not not because not because he Dominic Toretto had anything to do with hurting his brother, but that it was just mm-hmm. that he was upset that he read that he invented race wars, <laughs> and he was just yeah. like, Dominic Toretto, you invented race wars. And I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Just like really Dominic upset Toretto, at him for accent. killing Dominic oh, Toretto. <laughs> Dominic uh, Toretto, I really care that you kill my brother. You didn't even kill him because he's in a coma. But you said you invent your race wars, and I don't think that's true. I'm going to come for you now. Um, it's, oh my God. Oh, we'll he's got flag Twitter just, energy, man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they get to race wars and Letty. Yes. Goes for her first race, race. quick drag race. Um, There's a very interesting moment that I think gets um, paid off at the end, where where uh, Dominic warns her to like, just just like listen to to what I'm going to say. This kid is going to do something. Yeah, his car is going to blow out or something. Is this going to blow out and you're going to win? So just take it easy. And she's like, but I got to ride or die, right? She's like, how about you just ride for now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sort of comes back at the end of a really it flips it where it becomes like it's a dom thing like where dom becomes right or die even though he 
Well, yeah. maybe not too. They, do, when, a yeah, they do a lot of this film. Like oh, yeah. a lot of like, let's establish something and call it back later. But it's like they, they're Way doing later. so much of it that it's just like. Yeah. I can't keep track. Um, yeah, I just do one or two. I mean, like yeah. Dom literally falls off of things 20 times. And I'm like, okay, I get it. He's falling off of things. I, like, okay. I get it. He's invincible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. At this point, Dominic Toretto is a superhuman. <laughs> yeah, it makes like, no sense. Dude, we'll get to it. But, uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So Letty finishes the race. Letty has Iggy this drag Azalea race. comes out of a truck. Yeah. Wild Iggy Azalea appears in the crowd. Where are you at, ghost girl? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's the girl I heard so much about. Where you been at, ghost girl? And then they just keep repeating, like, where you been at, ghost girl? Where you been at, ghost girl? Like, that voice is so annoying, and so many people apparently hated it. I love it. Yeah, I, I hated it. I was just like, I saw. I hated they, it. They hated this cameo. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I was like, and this is that point where everybody was like, wait, she's Australian? Why does she sound like she's Southern? <laughs> <laughs> why you at, ghost girl? Yeah. She's surprisingly not the worst cameo in this film. And no, get to she that. Isn't. I will get to that. <laughs> she really isn't. It's very surprising. Yeah, like you said, Noel Guglielmi, Hector. He's back. Really Hector's nice back. to see Hector back again. Wonderful. Always plays a Hector in a film. He's yeah. been Hector like twenty nine times, and he um, has not changed one yeah. bit. I think he wears the same flannel yeah. he wore in the first film. He basically plays the exact same Hector in every film that he's ever in yeah. as well. I mean, if he's yeah. Hector in the film, it's this Hector. He's just it's this Hector doing something else, and he gets punched yeah. in the mouth, and Letty runs away. I loved, <laughs> I loved the race war bit, like just yeah, because it felt like a Fast and Furious movie again. Like yeah, I know, it felt like the first film all over again. I've been like giving a hard time to this series for its growing pains through the weird, like mid two thousands that it was just like really over sexualized and stuff, like in a very bad way. Um, where it's just like. The women are just eye candy, but it was strangely just felt kind of like home to see some girls just shaking and there's fast cars and a drag race. I'm like, okay, we're back to basics. We're back. Yeah, we're back to basics. <laughs> this is what I came here for. You guys got yeah. the boobs back? Great. Thank you. <laughs> just a nice We all have to compete with Game of Thrones the now. Flags are just Which- waving. <laughs> oh god i think yeah um, everybody has to compete with how hbo has a lot of nudity now and yeah this film was a direct product of that because they do have a game of thrones cast member um, <laughs> all right so we get our first scene with paul walker you think yeah. he's about to drive as brian o'connor and it's just him picking up his him and mia's son from preschool in a minivan. Yay. The or dad dropping form. him off, I think. Actually. Yeah, or is he dropping off? But dad form has been completed. This is yeah. completion of dad form. He's been turning into dad. We've talked about his outfits. He's been dressing like a dad. And now yeah. he's very much complete. He drives a minivan. And, drives uh, a minivan. It's, it's still that shade of blue that Brian loves so much. <laughs> um, yeah. The sun is in the back and he... he the, the sun has been cute. So I think some time has definitely passed between when... Yeah. Between when Han died, well, Katan hasn't technically died yet. Yeah, he hasn't yet. died yet. Yeah. He hasn't died yet. So, so time has passed between the sixth film and this film because their kid is like grown now. Their kid yeah. is babbling and talking. Yeah, he's like um, getting at least three off. years old now. Yeah. Um, and it's a really cool sequence, I think, because you're like, oh, he's he's just, he's on his own race, just like yeah. Letty. And I was like, oh my God. And then, oh no, he's like pulling up in a line yeah. in front of the school <laughs> yeah. and the teacher is getting him out. Very um, fun. And then it's like, 
I, I love that the teacher is like, oh, you'll get used to this. And that is, and he's like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> and that is so Brian. Like, yeah. this man misses the bullets. Like, yes. He, he doesn't belong in a minivan, but he's trying. <laughs> and I love that for him. Well, with Paul Walker passing away in January 2014, Time reported that Brian O'Connor would be retired instead mm-hmm. of killed and that scenes would be developed in order to allow the franchise to continue without him. So to create Walker's likeness, the filmmakers hired Peter Jackson's weight of digital visual effects house, which had previously been used to create Gollum in the Lord of the Rings franchise, Caesar in the Planet of the Apes, and just tons and tons of things. So initially, what Weta could do was severely constrained by the quality of the reference materials available for Paul Walker's physical appearance. And then in April 2014, it was reported that Walker's brothers, Caleb and Cody, had been hired as stand-ins and would also provide voice work for Brian. And their strong resemblance to their brother meant that the filmmakers could use scans of their bodies instead of recreating Walker's entire body from scratch. And then the final film, it showed Walker's face superimposed over the, the bodies of his brothers or actor John Brotherton, who played Shepard in the film. And 350 visual effects shots, we had 260 used for computer-generated face, while 90 were repurposed actual footage of Paul Walker's face barred from outtakes or older footage. So there was a lot of work going in to basically just yeah. superimpose Brian's face onto his brother's. Uh, or try to keep whatever footage they did have. I don't know how you feel about this, because at times during the film, I didn't notice. But then there was times where it was glaring that that was not Paul Walker. And they also, like, it was, like, in that weird way where... You only get the back of his head? Yeah, you only get the back of his head, or they had him say something, like, one line, but you just see his face, and he looks like a a computer-generated character. And it's very strange because everybody else looks normal and he looks like a video game and he says one line and he's smiling really awkwardly. It's just, it was very weird. But for the most part, the film was okay. Yeah, the <laughs> film was okay. No, I didn't notice it until I think the last time I watched it, which is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed it only twice. And I don't yeah. know if there were any more instances because I think it's the one scene in the chopper or the plane where they're on the way to the Middle East, maybe. Yeah. And Letty is like asleep, but she's eavesdropping on Dom and Brian talking. (laughs) And it's the thing of like, Dom is obviously commandeering the conversation. And then you cut back to Paul Walker and it looks like he's smiling. It's like the shots from Brazil, the shots from the first movie where he's like smiling. They're talking about his death. And Dom is like, the, the bravest thing you've ever done is be a good man of Mia, my nephew Jack. <laughs> yeah. Just say his son, Dom. This, not yeah. everything is about you. Yeah. Um, Dominic. My nephew. Um, it's like, it's more important. My nephew Jack. But yeah, but he's my nephew, not your son. <laughs> yeah. um, excuse me. I'm pushing, yeah, stop pushing imports on him. He's a Toretto. <laughs> and then obviously the scene, the scenes at the end at the, at the beach and in the car, that's yeah. when I was like, oh, that's obvious. And that was the thing that like struck me the most when I first watched it. Cause I was like, like for some reason that really broke my heart but i noticed that 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 um scene in the plane again and i was like oh yeah oh i think the worst one for me was when they're they're back in la and it's just before they set off the final plan and they're all looking out at the la skyline and they're like yeah and there. it's just hit, yeah and you just see brian like glitching out almost. Not it's just yeah. really strange but 
But yeah, I mean, they did a really good job for what they had and it's awesome. And I'll get more into Brian and like thoughts about, like I said, I had thoughts about James Wan and Brian and blah, blah, blah. I'll get into it in a little bit, but Letty leaves Dom. Don't worry. She'll be back. She comes back a few seasons later. And then we get the first awesome scene of the film. (laughs) (laughs) A greasy Dwayne Johnson returns as agent Luke Hobbs. He's at his desk. Elsa Pataki's back as Elena. She's his new partner now, officially, yeah. I guess. They have some weird, flirty, sort of jokey chat here. It's very they interesting. Do. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen with this? She leaves for the night. He like runs after her to give her a letter of recommendation for something that we never hear about again. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be in the next film. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll get there. Uh, no. <laughs> Arianne says no. I just shook my head quietly nah. and said no because I don't know. Uh, this is. Just in passing, this is all you hear about her means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just some right. filler. Yeah. So then Hobbs returns to his office. <laughs> Deckard Shaw is at his computer, hacking it to get info on Dominic Toretto and his crew. And then we get. I I think this is my favorite fight scene of this series so far. Holy shit! You're gonna love Hobbs and Shaw, dude. Like, you're gonna amazing. love Hobbs and Shaw. It's incredible. It's arguably such a good the best fight scene. Fight scene. Uh, Actually, they kick it's the my shit out of each other. Scene. Yeah. And they ruined that lovely office. Something that I never knew I wanted so bad until I got it was Deckershaw is getting his, he's kind of getting beat up a little bit by, by Hobbs. He throws the punch at him. Hobbs sort of ducks it, headbutts him. And then he fucking swings his arm around him, gives him a Uranagi, AKA the rock bottom through a glass table. (laughs) What the rock is cooking. And the camera just like moves with it so beautifully, like better than WWE could ever shoot that. And it was the funniest thing ever. I laughed so hard. I was just like, this is so stupid, but I'm here for it. I'm like, I'm down. Like I'm down. My mind has been warped. I am down to like, I wanted that so bad i was like give it to me i think i mentioned i wish you would rock bottom someone in the last time <laughs> or maybe and you the, got what you yeah, i got it it was so good yeah. i was like yes uh okay so elena somehow returns i don't really remember because i think so she like on. forgot something yeah. when she heard a noise and she came <laughs> back in and then she all throws this bomb a bomb that's like a disc, yeah. very similar to the technology his brother was using. Yeah. And then Hobbs clocks it being like, oh, why not? And saves her by jumping out the window and using his body, his massive body as a shield. Yeah. But I, I was just like, perfect. They land on a car. This is a Fast yeah. and Furious film. It's so perfect. dumb, but it's It's great. so dumb. <laughs> and it's such a, I think, I think the, the thing they do with Jason Statham's character is the best any Fast and Furious character has gotten in terms of progression in in terms of showing who somebody is instead of telling you who he is and i'm sure Deckard is like i'm gonna come off you he does that shit a lot yeah you really you really get to see what this person is capable of as opposed to just being like yeah these guys are the best you know what i mean yeah Um, also i find this scene very funny because one you find out that one of han's aliases is han solo like yeah freaking nerd i love you (laughs) two um Hobbs is still written like he's a cowboy. Um, yeah. Like, why does he sound like Timothy Oliphant in Justified? I don't know. Stop calling Jason Statham boy. Stop calling anybody boy. Stop calling all the women right. 
woman. Yeah. Woman. <laughs> woman. Yeah. He says woman, and then he says a really stupid line. And yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're hacking into the wrong man's computer, boy. And I'm like, <laughs> he is not yeehaw enough for this. Yeah. As much as I would love that, that's not who Luke Hobbs is. But he is. Um, but he is. That's all he gives us. That's, that's that's all he gives us. And then you get it's, the wonderful. Yeah, it's grown on me a little bit. I remember the first time, really, the first time around in uh, Fast Five, like. I was unsure. I was like, man, it feels like he's kind of testing what he's going to do with this character. I'm ready to see what he does. But he doesn't really go much further than that. He kind of is just still, yeah. like you said, yeehaw with it. And it's, it's, but it's kind of fun. And I've, again, this leads to like, okay, so we cut to Dom's house. Jordan, yep. Jordana Brewster's there as Mia Toretto again, of course. And then Brian are there. Brian is playing with Jack, really selling the whole dad thing. This comes up a lot. Uh, about Brian and, and being a dad, Mia tells Dom that he's struggling being a dad because it's not that he's missing the cars or the women, it's that he's missing being out there dodging the bullets. And she tells Dom that she's pregos again and she's expecting a daughter, but she hasn't told Brian yet. And then a mysterious package is noticed from Tokyo. Um, that Dom's like, Dom's like oh, must Hobbs. be from Hobbs. Uh, sending me some export, like, what does he say? Like some bullshit, Trying to put like, me on some export parts or some yeah. shit like that. Like, yeah. yeah, we get it, Dom. You like American muscle. We get it. Yeah. We get it. Uh, so then Dom gets a call. We splice in the footage from <laughs> the end right. credits. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, Hans, it's the Han scene where Han gets killed. Uh, mm-hmm. The bomb explodes. Uh, at Dom's place simultaneously of Han's car exploding, nearly killing Such everyone. Such great coordination. <laughs> Good for you, Deckard. Nearly killing everyone. And mm-hmm. Dom visits Hobbs in the hospital where Hobbs' daughter is there and tells him that her dad said that Dom was once well, beat up your ass by Hobbs. <laughs> and Dom replies with a Twitter, you know, Twitter dialogue here. Your daddy's on a lot of pain. <laughs> In a lower off eight lower, like yeah. eight octaves lower your than how John said it. Your daddy's on a lot of pain meds. He's confused. He's confused. Um, Hobbs gives Dom the clearance to go after Shaw. And that's the last time we see Hobbs for a very long time. And I'm kind of upset by this. They really Captain Marveled him. Not enough. Rock Not enough stuff. hubs for me. Yeah. But it, but enough Shaw for me. Yeah. You got a lot of Shaw. Yeah. Actually, too, Shaw. probably too much Shaw. Like, I like the character, but. Yeah, too much Shaw. stupid that he just keeps appearing. It's like, does he yeah. have God's eye? What's he in for? Yeah. He obviously has God's eye already. <laughs> like, he overshadows <laughs> the other subplots going on. Yeah. And I get that they want to establish him more, uh, like, you know, as like a presence within the franchise. But I also feel like that, you know, Pay some attention to everything else you've set up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think Hobbs and Elena obviously deserve a bit more because they were harmed in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Diamond Hansu just gets, like, a few lines thrown at him, <laughs> yeah. which is such a waste. Yeah. I like to hear him talk because he's got such a fun accent that everything yes, he, he says does. sounds hilarious. So it's like, I'd- and like, I want to know why he wants God's eye. I want to know yeah. why. I want to know what his deal is aside from yeah. being a vague terrorist. This is a thing that Fast and Furious often does. They have vague drug dealers, vague terrorists. 
vague bad guys that are just like, oh, they're so bad. They're after this person. Yeah. Whereas you rarely get people like Owen Shaw or Deckard Shaw who are like fleshed out characters because you know that the studio wants more to do with them as opposed to these one-off villains. Yeah. But yeah, also not enough Kurt Russell for me. Sorry, not sorry. I really enjoyed him. I did too. Yeah. We'll get to him just a second, but before that, Brian and Mia get sent to the Dominican Republic to stay with Mondo, who is the Mm -hmm. singer Romeo Santos. Brian Sue leaves to meet Dom in LA, but not before Dom briefly treks to Tokyo to meet the Drift King, Sean Boswell, a.k.a. Lucas Black, who's back. He's aged so much. He's so old now. Oh, my <laughs> so God. Now. He's so old. And this was supposed to happen directly after the end of Tokyo. Yeah. Like, he literally. He knew Han. He says he knew Han. <laughs> yeah. You see Bow Wow. Yeah, you see Bow Wow. Little baby Bow Wow from Tokyo Drift in 2006. Yeah. And then, yeah, his hairlines receded, like, at least two inches up his forehead, his yeah. giant forehead. And yeah, but whatever. Lucas Black, cool. I mean, good for him. Yeah. And uh, he's only there to yeah. hand Dom some yeah. some of Han's belongings from the crash. We yes. found this in crash. It's found this in Dom's crash. cross. Dom's and cross. And a photo of Giselle that's still perfectly visible. Yeah. Slightly um, burnt on the edges. <laughs> yeah. Even though it was like a violent car crash. Total movie prop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love to yeah. see it. Um, and then Dom. Flies back to LA. He brought Han home as he promised. Yes. Han's funeral. So many people show up, which I love. And Dom really sweetly places a photo of Giselle in the corner of the giant photo of Han before they put yeah. him on the ground. And they all have like really silent speeches to the corpse and each other <laughs> that in reality you would not be able to hear, but it's yeah. a film, so it's for the audience's sake. And um that's you. You see Tej and Roman again. Yeah, Hello, Chris is back. Obviously, yeah. is Tej Parker, Tyrese as Roman Pierce, and the key point here is no more funerals. No more funerals. I can't do no more funerals. So true, Roman. So true. I okay. So there's a lot going on here. Both, and this happens a couple times in the film. Both like uh, for the film, but then also real life. And I think this is yeah. a little bit like a real life moment here with yeah them a lot them get, getting out what they have to say about Paul Walker. But also this is like in terms of what's going on in the film. And that kind of scared me. This is uh point number one of me being kind of afraid. James Wan horror director going to scare me by having to watch Brian die in this film, because I did not know that he was going to be retired. Oh. I did not know. So I spent this entire film thinking, what are oh, they going to do with Brian? How are they going to get rid of Brian? What are they going to do? And I'm sitting here oh, thinking, God. no more funerals. And I'm like, God damn it, Brian's going to die. die. Oh, God, no, no, There's no. Gonna be another so funeral. you feel bad. You're just like, oh. Yeah. And if you want to think about the rest of this film and how many times, we'll get to him. But, oh, my God, I was on the edge of my seats at times. Just like, oh, not, yeah. not now, not now, not now. Okay. Yeah. So. They were all virtually indestructible. <laughs> So Dom sees a car, car an unknown car, because again, Shaw has God's eye, apparently. And uh, he jumps in his car and he chases down this car. Um, mm-hmm. It turns out to be through Deckard downtown Shaw. LA. They go through downtown LA, he chases them into a warehouse that's through an underground tunnel. And then they crash into each other. They play their first game of chicken. 
<laughs> they play at least three games of chicken in this film. And in exactly the same way, yeah. by the way. Like, Crashes one has to be on top of the other. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's all uh, very psychosexual. Yeah. I think. Uh, Dom is definitely a top. <laughs> yeah. Or he tries to be. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, he they, he they get out of the car. They're about to fight each other. Then a covert ops team just arrives and opens fire, particularly at Shaw. And then they tell Dom to kind of, Shaw runs away. They, yeah. He gets away. And then they tell Dom to freeze. And enter Kurt Russell is Yay. the Belgian beer loving Mr. Nobody. Shout out Belgian beers, by the way. When he yeah. pulled that out, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting Prince Charles and Love War flashbacks. <laughs> Not even War flashbacks. They're very fond memories of me. Yeah. Successfully it's Belgian pouring L. Belgian beers. It's great. Yeah. Successfully, successfully pouring them <laughs> once in a blue moon. Um, yeah. Really some good stuff here, though. I mean, some good banter some with him. Uh, he kind of explains that he's, he's, those guys are getting involved in his, inf- like his, I don't really know. It doesn't really <laughs> make sense. This is the first example of them just saying, ah, oh, he's Mr. Nobody who gives a fuck. He's just some secret agent guy. And it doesn't matter. Is he a part of Men yeah. in Black? Who knows? I don't know. He has so much juice. Like yeah. Mr. Nobody works independently, but also part of the government. He's not yeah. CIA, but he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he has so much money. Yeah, because he can get Dom any as much as many Coronas as he wants. Yes, he has all these cars in his workshop. It's like Fast and Furious Wonderland, <laughs> and all the screens and where they the 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 table that's also an iPad. It's all very like what you thought the future was going to be in two thousand ten, <laughs> um, come to life, yeah. and it's it's all very. It's all very funny. And and Mr. Nobody continues to be a presence in the franchise. It's yes. not even a spoiler. It, it's that thing of like, you need spies with lots of resources to move the story along. Because otherwise, what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah, because otherwise you're like, how how do yeah. these guys get credentials? Like, how do these... Exactly. How do they fly to ex- Abu Dhabi at moment's notice? <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. I need like, a visa. These ex-fugitive... Uh, uh, car racers who are always like off off and on wanted by the the, the heaviest law enforcement in the world how the are biggest they, law enforcement yeah how are they getting credentials to to go to the caucus mountain oh, yeah, whatever whatever yeah, whatever they, they, go they, want, they have mr nobody freelancers they got mr nobody yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I love Kurt Russell in this. I love Kurt Russell all the time. He's a great addition always. to the cast as being just yeah. a f- goofy, funny character who has yeah a big mystery around him, and it's fun. Yeah, and you give him Corona. Mystery. It's great. I like it. Denzel Washington turned down the role to play Mister Nobody. Cool. Universal Studios were in search for Good a for big him. star to play a smallish role, and then play a larger role in the next film. And they were after Denzel. He turned it down. I think it's because they didn't have much info for him of what it was. And yeah. maybe it just wasn't one and being one of those car movies. Still the Equalizer movies. Still yeah. the Equalizer movies. Taylor Lautner was also considered. I heard. As well I heard. as Halle Berry. Oh, before Halle Kurt Russell. So great. Yeah. I would have been fine with Halle Berry. Oh, yeah. She's such a wonderful addition to action franchises. She's great in John Wick. She's great in Kingsman. She would have been so great in this. But I love <laughs> Kurt Russell. But Kurt Russell does this funny thing 
um, that's like, you know what? I'm just going to cut to the chase. I need your help to get this thing that can do everything created by yeah. this hacker that can do anything that's, that's being chased by this terrorist that can do anything who is also after, I actually don't know how Deckard Shaw plays into this. Oh, cause he's like, okay, if you get the God's eye, which is this software created by this hacker, Ramsey, who we'll meet later that can find anybody using very illegal surveillance tactics because it taps into every known listening and camera device in the world. Yeah. Um, we live in a totalitarian state. Um, um, and then we'll let like, you use it. This. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you use it to find Shaw. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. But only yeah. if we do it my way and with my crew. And then Kurt Russell was like, I know you were going to say that. So I got your. They're already thing. here. They're <laughs> already here. And then enter Tej and Roman being dumb. Uh, you did a like this is a great explanation of God's eye, but also I'm like it's <laughs> confusing because it seems like they already kind of had God's eye, but they didn't. Yeah. yeah. And then Deckard Scholl obviously has something because he always he knows track them. where everyone is. <laughs> John, he's just a genius. Yeah. He's just a super spy. He's yeah. A super soldier, John. So he doesn't need the God's eye. Yeah, because Mr. Nobody does call him a ghost. And if you want to know how ghosts work, then we can help you. But you have to help us. But yeah, it's yeah, it's strange. The crew comes back. There's a bit of a funny bits where I mean, this is all that Roman like Romans literally just the comedy in this film. Yeah, he wants to lead and he is trying to come up with a plan to to attack the convoy. That would be transporting Ramsey and also Letty returns. Yeah, Letty returns. She's yeah. back. That whole thing was pointless. It made no sense why pointless. she really left, but whatever. Um, yeah. She's back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, funny bits with Roman and Tej. They also, I mean, uh, we'll get to it later, but like they kind of fight over Ramsey a little bit, but it's just goofy. That's all they really get. Yeah. It's a bit silly, but uh, yeah, it's fun. They get a plan. They're going to attack mm-hmm. this convoy that is carrying Ramsey. It's Roman's and, plan. Yeah, it's Roman's plan to attack <laughs> where they least expect it. Uh, I do like Roman doing this. It's really It was really funny because there's a lot of good and jokes. And the scene where, transition yeah. is the best joke, I think. Yeah. Like, it's so Absolutely. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're attacking Jaconde, who, who uh, has Ramsey, who mm-hmm. has God's eye, as far yeah. as they know. It's very convoluted. Letty returns, like we said, is pointless. And then mm-hmm. we get to the airdrop scene. Uh, okay, so the airdrop scene. I love it. I love the airdrop love scene. It so it's so stupid. It's but so cool. I feel like this this whole sequence could have been like... A movie on Give me own. this. You give me this, <laughs> and then give me the end with the helicopters and the drones and stuff, which we'll get to in a bit. And I would have been happy if you would have cut out yeah. what we're going to get to after the airdrop scene. I would have been yeah. like, this, this is my favorite Fast and Furious movie ever. But uh, I, that ju- it just continuously drags on where it's just like yeah. it starts to get too much. But anyway, I love the airdrop scene. The team travel to the Caucasus Mountains. Azerbaijan. They proceed to literally parachute yeah. their cars out of a plane in order to land them on the road to sneak attack Jacante's, uh convoy which is carrying Ramsey. It's like fucking genius. Power Rangers turbo or something. Like it's these cars genius. just flying out of the it's sky. It's genius. I love that transition from when they were like, you know, getting the plan ready where Dom was like, 
Tosh, give me the demon love truck between yeah. that car and <laughs> yeah. that car. Which makes um, no sense, but whatever. No <laughs> sense, but like, it does make it. sense later. Yeah. Um, it makes sense later. But And then it cuts to Tej playing a game on his phone in yeah. the car. And the car is like in a really dark space. So you're yes. kind of just like, where the fuck are they? And then Tej is playing a game with a parachute. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> They're going to do it. Um, so everybody drives their car out of the plane, except for Roman, who's scared out of his mind. <laughs> and he gets bullied while everybody is literally plummeting to their doom. This was your idea. Still, <laughs> yeah. And they all still have time to take this out of which is incredible. Um, they get to the right altitude. They pull their chute and all the cars are just like floating onto the road. <laughs> and then they release from the chute and they're driving fast. And the suspension just goes doom, doom. And I'm like, oh, this is the best. And I do agree with you. If the film was like this set piece plus the bit at the end with the helicopter not only would have been shorter and more efficient and great, but I think like thematically and conceptually it would balance each other out because it's yeah. all this, they're the ones that start off flying and then they end with them being on the ground. And I think yeah. that's like the, the end set piece is <laughs> the cars on the ground, which is what car, where cars are meant to be. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. Um, Roman gets forced out by a parachute, by like remote control parachute, which I think is so funny. Yeah, yeah, Tej, Tej gets upset with him that he's not going out yet. He hasn't driven out. And uh, yeah. yeah, he just, he has it set up because he knew he wasn't going to do it because he knows yeah. what Roman's like. Yeah. And this and Roman's scene, like lost. <laughs> like he's the one yeah. that gets separated from the conflict. This scene is also like what's amazing that it, um, it, it, okay, so Fast and Furious, we've probably t- talked about this before. It's called Wild Speed in Japan, which is a great name. Yeah. This film, because of this this stupid scene, is called Wild Speed Sky Mission. Sky Mission, yeah. Wild, <laughs> which is great. Wild Speed Sky Mission. A great yeah. title. Great title. Okay. My favorite so video game. The airdrop sequence was conceived by stunt coordinator Spiro Rezatos. I might have said his name wrong, but sorry. He also supervised on the franchise's previous two installments, Fast Five and Furious Six. So he's been with them for a while. And what have we been saying in the last couple of episodes? There's these insane things that happened, but Justin Lin was just crazy enough to let him be real, real stunts rather than CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, this was real. Rosato's said he wanted to rely on more real stunts rather than CGI because he wanted the whole sequence to feel real and fulfill audiences' expectations. The stunt took months to prepare. Cameras needed to be mounted on the cars in the way that they wouldn't be destroyed when they landed, and they needed to figure out a way to get the car safely out of the plane. They did a dry run six times with a single car. When filming, the cars were dropped over the Arizona desert, but in close-ups, the cars... Uh, when the cars had to be landed they on the mountain road, they filmed this in Colorado. So all that like chase scene uh, okay. and everything was filmed in Colorado, not mm-hmm. over in over Azerbaijan. In, in, yeah. So yes, there were two airplanes. They were flying at the height of 12,000 feet, each dropping two cars apiece. And then they used these BRS parachutes that enabled with GPS that were secured to each of the cars before dropping off for the plane. And then at about 5,000 feet, the parachutes were deployed, which kind of helped them reach the landing. With the camera tricks, obviously, they made it look seamless. And then there was 
over 10 cameras that were used to shoot. Cameras were on the grounds. They were on the cars. They were in the plane. They were on a helicopter where Rosatos was stationed with monitors. And then they had three sky skydivers that had jumped out of the plane and they were had uh, cameras on their helmets to shoot oh the God. scene from multiple angles. And then the shots with the actors in the cars, they were they, they had a giant gimbal attached to each of the car. So, you know, that, like that weird yeah. 360 yeah, spiral yeah. thing. So the cars were attached to one of those things and that allowed them to kind of be lowered. They were lowered from cranes and it would mimic this sort of tumbling thing. And that was shot against oh, the CGI screen. And that was the only sort of CGI bit as they were like kind of coming down and that like all put together. But for the most part, this whole shit was real, which is insane. It's so insane. crazy. They're <laughs> insane. What, what's next? Are they going to go to space for real? Are they going to beat Tom Cruise? Maybe. Maybe. It'll be my dream come true. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I the, the sequence after it, I wonder whether or not it was real. Just, not even the, like, the driving, but, like, the Paul Walker part. Because I was like, yes. holy shit. Okay. So we then have no. the crazy chase on the bus. Yeah. Brian jumps aboard the bus crashes his car to try to save ramsey he's fighting a lot of people inside shooting some people fighting inside Tony the bus ramsey is introduced as played by uh natalie emmanuel natalie emmanuel yeah and uh it's that sort of like shock i guess they were thinking that it was just going to be some nerdy dude but it turned out it yeah. was a woman who's Hot very girl. beautiful so they're like oh ooh, interesting he throws her off the bus onto dom's hood Dom uses hydraulics in his car to bump her up into the sunroof. Dumb, (laughs) dumb, 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 but awesome. Incredible. (laughs) Then Brian fights with Tony Jaa, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, Really fun fight scene. Brian looks like he's about to win. They accidentally shoot the driver. The bus flips over. It's about to go over a cliff. And then Tony Jaa's character locks Brian in the bus. And he escapes and says... Ah, too slow, jumps out before the bus is about to go over the edge. Brian has to go to the front door. He's literally hanging out by the door over the cliff to a giant fall. And I'm like, first time where I'm like, fuck, are they going to kill Brian like this? Are they going to kill Brian like this? Are they going to kill Brian like this? I just kept thinking, like, is this how he is he going to die? Holy shit. He proceeds to pull himself up, run up the bus. As the bus is falling. Back onto the cliff. Back onto the cliff. Jumps. Just as Letty drifts. drifts around. <laughs> For him to grab on to the like. To like the spoiler. You, the spoiler of the car. And you're just like. Oh, Holy shit. He's a genius. He's a genius. Parkour. Yes. I love it. I love the it. scene in question was performed by a stuntman. All done oh. without any computer graphics. What? It doesn't look real either. It like doesn't. I was like, it no way like this is real. CGI, like <laughs> that's a CGI cliff. Like, what are you talking about? That's <sighs> insane. That's insane. What's it's crazy. next? Dom. Oh, and then the, Dom has his oh, fuck up stunt. His little so gosh. Dom has Ramsey. Jaconde's crew is all like after. They're they're coming after Dom. Yeah, they get him surrounded, him surrounded on a cliff, mm-hmm. and Dom does a bunch of donuts, and he's facing the cliff. 
and then he just drives off. Fuck it. He drives off. Drive off. Fuck it. He makes Ramsey put on a helmet, which I think is so funny because when when in this film have they ever been concerned about safety? Yeah, seriously. Uh, Fuck it. Like, so yeah, he has that crazy chassis inside of his car that like protects him or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's not even the dumbest thing. So I mean, who cares? It's like whatever. Just keep on driving off cliffs, Vin Diesel. This is the first time does he do it again later or does this just like randomly when uh what's his face shows up again um when shaw shows up yeah shaw shows up and they're just driving flipping they like drive and then look over at each other which i think are the funniest shots in the film when they (laughs) the cars are lined up so well that they look over each other like (laughs) he does it with letty as well which i think is so funny yeah um (laughs) him and shaw their thing yeah it's, it's explosive it's, I can understand why Hobbs would be jealous. Yeah. They have Ramsey and they realize that she doesn't have God's eye and she says that it's off mailed with it to a, a friend in Abu Dhabi. A friend in Abu Dhabi. So off to the Middle East we go to Abu Dhabi. Yes, they do. Yeah. She gave God's eye to her friend Safar, who is played by Ali Faisal, for safekeeping. But he sold it to a billionaire prince to be used for his car. For what? So would they go to a party to steal it? And this is where I kind of get lost with the film. I just kind of like, yeah. my brain started to turn off. I think if we would have had a starting to get into a little bit more closure here, it would have been a little bit better. But this whole sequence, there's a lot going on in it. And there's some funny bits. There's some stupid bits. There's some gigantic bits. But I'm almost like, did it need to be in this film? Yeah. <laughs> So the prince has an all-female security team led by Ronda Rousey, Rousey. (laughs) who is terrible. She is so bad in this movie. Holy shit. She makes Gina Carano look like a good actor. I wrote that down. Yeah, I wrote that down. We we share a brain cell. Sadly, Gina Carano was more convincing, but she sucks. And Ronda Rousey is a Dragon Ball-loving Bernie bro, but she's horrible. Shout out to her. She's horrible in this film. I saw her in something else fairly recently as well. And I was like, you're, you're better in this than you're in Fast and Furious. Why yeah. She, like, she recently in the last, you know, few years had been dipping her toes into WWE. And she, while she's a great athlete, she took to wrestling really, really well. But her, like, mic skills and, like, believability. Um, her acting. Her acting because you have to act in wrestling, it's just like, mm. it leaves much to be desired. And like seeing her in this, I'm just like, oof, oof. It was an okay fight with Letty, but like, again, there was so much going on. You had- Like Dom Letty and, owned that fight. Yeah. Letty was kind of kicking her ass. Dom and Brian, mm. they're doing their thing, trying to get the chip out of the car. What the hell is Roman doing? Roman's, don't know. who knows? It's so much going on. There's- and then. Tesh and Ramsey yeah. are essentially doing the same thing because they're <laughs> both the hackers now. Yeah. Um, it's that thing of like, I get it. It's a Fast and Furious film. It's dumb. But I think heist films, if you want to do a heist film, yes, stick to your archetypes. But like, I don't know. They're real people too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it'd be more fun if <laughs> the two hackers had different ways of hacking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Roman just does, when Roman mouths off and kind of just like, yeah. I know you can be funnier than this. You can, you're, you're so much funnier than this. Yeah. Than Happy Birthday, Jasmine. You are so much funnier than this. Bit. Yeah. 
very strange this whole but bit. yeah yeah this whole bit is so weird they just i, I it's the thing like james Wan. if you wanted to jump a car through three buildings just say so you don't yeah. need to tell us why just yeah. do it just I didn't do it need this party yeah. yeah i didn't need the billionaire supercar like ugh, I put it in a, I put it in like a flash drive. Like flash drive is in a car. A what? Yeah. There's too many. Um, like we had a a chip in a car in the last film as well. Like we don't yeah. need that trope again. You know. Also, that chip in the last movie did not come into play at all. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think Shaw got to build his tech bomb or whatever it was yeah. he wanted to build. Yeah. Um, but this was like no God's not happy. It was like a thing that they needed and wanted to use. It's like... Like, I think they literally just wanted to jump a car through three buildings. Yeah. They could have just done that at the end or something. Because they could have done that in LA. Because, like, all we really needed so was for Ramsey to just have God's Eye. If she had God's yeah. Eye and you didn't need this convoluted scene, it's just, like, it's so silly. So, like, Brian and Dom, they're trying to steal this chip out of the car. The car is inside of a vault, inside this prince, this prince's vault. Penthouse. It's penthouse. They're top of these three skyscrapers in Abu Dhabi. They have to drive out because the security doors are about to close and they proceed to literally fly through the air. Flying cars, flying cars, flying cars. What the fuck? My brain was fried by this point. Yeah, and I was mind you. Losing attention. <laughs> mind you, the brakes are gone in this car. The brakes yeah. do not work in this car. They are jumping through three buildings. So they're using yeah. the other two buildings to essentially slow the car down. <laughs> <laughs> and whilst they do this, they still have to get God's eye out of the car, which Brian yeah. does at the last minute, thankfully. But in the process, they destroy countless of, you know, terracotta warriors that were in yeah. some exhibit that they crashed into. <laughs> um, yeah. And they make it out of the car and the car crashes in front of the um, Emirates Towers. And I think where they were shot, they were like shooting it. And they do give Tom Cruise and his Mission Impossible crew a run for their money. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool uh, scene in some respects, but at the same time, there's like zero consequences so for it all. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. So it's just like they didn't even touch on the fact that they crashed this party that the like there was no stakes. Like there was just no stakes. Did it. Even it when Shaw was there, there was no. Sh- like, yeah, there were no stakes because they just got away. It doesn't from matter. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So they use God's eye. They find De- uh, Deckard Shaw in a warehouse, but they are ambushed by Jaconde who has teamed up with Deckard Shaw, who must have his own God's eye because he keeps appearing everywhere. I mean, Deckard Shaw is everywhere. Just keep saying it. So I don't know he's, why. He's a ghost. They're yeah. teaming up with each other to get yeah. this God's eye villain. because yeah. Deckard Shaw must already have one. But whatever. They team up anyway. Who cares? I like that you insist that Deckard Shaw definitely has a God's eye of his own. Well, I mean, he's always there <laughs> my theory is is I, I like the ghost theory like you know like they say on community like a uh, fire can't go or go through doors stupid it's not a ghost yeah i feel like that's the kind of ghost <laughs> he could just go through walls he's yeah. eavesdropping every time so he knows what they're gonna be and also it's they're they're very loud they're you know loud. they're, they're not loud. that hard to spot there's like what yeah. four bald men in their crew <laughs> He just wants to yes. be a part of the bald man crew. I know. He's just want to be a part of you guys. Are you? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jikande kills Shepard, uh, who's right-hand guy of Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody yeah. gets shot, and he proceeds to talk about Belgianelle again. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, but by this point, my brain is And then they leave him on the side of the desert. <laughs> yeah. 
to get picked up by choppers just to get just to get the, yeah. the like Michael Bay magic hour shot of the sun setting <laughs> as Kurt Russell bleeds out into the sand. Yeah. Um, and now Jaconde has God's, God's eye. eye and yeah. they return to home turf Los Angeles where Dom plans to take on Deckard solo while the rest of the crew keep Ramsey safe from Jaconde. And I, by this point, I'm seriously, I'm like zoning out. Plan. So, the Whatever. Plan I've heard in my whole life. Brian promises Mia he's talking to her on the phone that he's yeah. going to retire after all this, and Mia finally tells him that she's pregos, and he, I don't know, they they're really hitting on this whole Brian being a dad and retiring, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and obviously because he does at the end, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, Ramsey attempts to hack God's eye as Jaconde start is, the hack pursues them. In a yeah. helicopter and with an aerial drone. And Dom and Shawl, yeah. in the third game of chicken at, by this point, crash into each other again. But Dom uses hydraulics this time, and he yeah. definitely establishes himself as a top mm-hmm. <laughs> crashes down. He is the, he is the oh. alpha male in this He's the case. alpha male. Oh, fuck. We forgot to talk about that scene before oh. they go to the Middle East, yeah. where Ramsey picks out their archetypes. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, a small detail is seeded and it yes. pays off at the end of the film. I was trying um, to remember this because I wrote down later uh, the yeah, detail. That, the reveal. The reveal. I have that yeah. and I was like, there's a look that she gives earlier and I kind of forgot when it was. Yes. So she calls. It was during that scene. Dom Alpha Mel. Yeah. And Letty was Letty Mrs. Mrs. Alpha, Alpha. And then identified Brian as the ex-cop military Tesh, yeah. the hacker, because you were offended at that nerd comment. And then, <laughs> and then she looks at Roman and goes, clown. And then yeah. Roman goes, nah, 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 double Alpha. <laughs> double Alpha. And also, that is a she, ain't Mrs. she ain't Mrs. Alpha. They ain't married. And yeah, then you got that wrong. They ain't married. She gives yeah. this look. Like, like huh? And now... It makes sense. A little bit later, it makes sense. Oh, it makes sense a little bit later. And then they look out over LA being like, guys, this is the plan. Yeah. There goes the last great American dynasty. Honestly, <laughs> truly. Yeah. When they all do that that pose and they look out over the city. Um, I mean, literally, though, that's the scene where I was talking about where Brian yeah. is glitching out because he doesn't yeah. look real. And it's kind yeah. of off-putting. All right, so we have this insane chase going on. They're passing uh, Ramsey along in each car. There's a lot of explosions. I mean, it's fine. It's kind of like every sort of the end scene of the Fast and Furious. By this point, there's a lot of driving and a lot of explosions and shit going on. Hobbs, like, literally forgot about him. He's in a hospital. He leaves the hospital. He He takes an ambulance. He No, no, no. He breaks out of his cast. Yeah. By flexing his muscles and <laughs> then leaves the hospital. I think I kind of like. Lest we forget. I think my I was like just hazed out by that point because oh, no, I don't I even have to. <laughs> it's ingrained in my memory. I'm really upset. I, like, I don't this... remember that because that sounds awesome. Yeah. It's <laughs> but... awesome, but it's also like, yeah, he's the Hulk. So yeah. is Dom. He was watching so the Hulk. Is... As well. He was watching. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so on uh, the nose, James. Yeah. Right? Uh, but yeah, they play hot potato with hot Ramsey. potato with Ramsey. She's attempting to hack <laughs> God's hacking. eye, <laughs> which make, it's just doesn't make sense. But so whatever, funny. I don't care. I don't care by this point. I don't care. Uh, and then she gets in Letty's car, and they nearly die from the drone. 
but Hobbs out of nowhere slams destroys it with an ambulance off ambulance. the top of a bridge. And then he busts through the windshield and Letty goes, <gasps> Hey Hobbs, where's where's the Calvary? And she again I am the Calvary. Woman, I am the Calvary. I am the Calvary. <laughs> I am the Calvary. So, oh my god. Do you want to be on Deadwood, Dwayne yeah. Johnson? What's happening? <laughs> this woke me um, up a little bit, to be honest, though. I was just like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, he's back. I, I I really hope that the film that Michael Bay is currently working on, Ambulance, sort of has a scene like that, where an ambulance just absolutely decimates <laughs> something that should theoretically destroy an ambulance, yeah. like a drone. <laughs> but yeah, glad Hobbs is in the mix now. There's a whole bit with... Ramsey, like, so she's attempting to hack God's eye. They need the radio signal. They're talking about they, blowing yeah, up. I don't even remember what happens with this. All I know is she I successfully do. hacks God's yeah. eye and she and erases it, it from Jacande's systems. He gets pissed and he tries to blow up Shaw and Dom who are fighting in their street <laughs> fight. And um, the dumbest street fight you can ever imagine uh, because they they're just... I don't remember who put it this way. It might have been another podcast, but it's like two apes decided to fight each other. <laughs> and there's wrenches, there's sticks, there's there's metal. Pipes. Dom is wearing, there's pipes. Dom is in a white sweater to get into a street fight, which I don't think is the best thing to wear. You're going to get it all scuffed up. You could eat it. Um, but then, yeah, they, they, they get rid of God's eye from the thing. Brian successfully gets the cell tower signal back on by doing yeah. whatever it was Tej said while Tej was running away from the drone. Yeah, and I yes, this incredible Brick Mansions parkour <laughs> fight scene with Tony Jaw. Oh um, yeah, and okay. he kills Tony Jaw by and hooking says, like a rope to a yeah. that was attached like a. Spool, oh, and he goes and down he the kicks shaft. the spool down the elevator shaft, and then Brian yeah. just goes too slow. <laughs> yeah, I do <laughs> remember that now. Like there was that. so much going on. I was just like, ah, I think I was That's shorting out by this point. I That's was like, the ah. thing. They like split everybody off and I get it because they're in a game of hot potato, but like yeah. they split everybody <laughs> off and it's really confusing. Cause where did Tej and Roman go? How did yeah. they get out with their radios? They're the dumbest ones in the crew. Maybe <laughs> not Tej, but like they survived, thank goodness. And then yeah, uh, Mose Jikande decides to blow up Dom because he's upset and he somehow finds Dom and Shaw's street fight without <laughs> God's eye. Um, <laughs> and I actually don't remember this bit because all I remember is Dom uh, stomping the parking lot, a crack forms, and then he says, You know, see, you see the thing about street fights. And then it's a long shot of Deckard Shaw, and then Don just goes to the street, always wins. And then it and falls then he, through a hole. And then, and then from in one fell swoop with with you know the strength of Dom's Dom putting his foot down, Deckard Shaw falls through the yeah. damn floor. But then I remember there's like a bag of grenades that Dom or Shaw has that he throws yeah. into the helicopter. Yes, and then somehow the Rock figures it out. <laughs> Hobbs got he, he has a gatling it. a gatling gun from somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where he picked it up from, but the he's ambulance. shooting at this it's from the like, ambulance. helicopter. Yeah. And all ambulances come with a gatling they gun. They all come with gatling guns. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I thought I knew about America. I guess I don't. That's <laughs> medic Medicare for all. Yeah. Um, so yes, 
Dom did clock that Shaw had that bag of grenades in his car. <laughs> he must have stolen them at some point. He drives up a ramp made of broken concrete to collide into Jaconte's heli- helicopter. He hits Nas at one hour, 58 minutes into this film to get up so the ramp. <laughs> the only Nas hit of the film. Mm-hmm. And Dom sort of misses and crashes really badly. And it's like, again, another huge crash. And I felt like they were, they continued to, to do this. They kept doing this over and over. And he crashes into like a rubble of heat below him and this busted up building from this explosion. And you think, oh, shit. And then Jaconde notices that he attached a bag of grenades from Shaw's car to the helicopter. And Hobbs sees it. And pulls out his trusty Desert Eagle, shoots one shot, and blows up the helicopter to kill Jaconde. It's perfect. It's brilliant. Teamwork. Brilliant. It makes no sense, but it was a lot of fun. And somehow, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then cut to everybody somehow surrounds the rubble. Yeah. They pull Dominic out of the rubble. He is not breathing as I think he should because. Who, who can survive that really? Yes. <laughs> um, of course, Dominic Toretto does. And this is what we've been talking about this whole episode, that there's yes. a big payoff with Letty, is that yes. she remembers everything. And she remembers that they were married. It's like, they were married? That's when Julia got comes married. In. I was like, oh shit, they were married. And Julia's like, what? They got married like, yeah, they got in these married. random flashbacks <laughs> of them in, in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, All the way back and- from... Fast the fourth, four. Yeah. The fourth movie. They got married. And <laughs> oh my God. She's just giving this impassioned speech. And at the end of it, Dom just, Dom just sputters full of breath being like, hur, 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 hur. I'm not I don't I'm remember waiting. what he says. He was like, I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> took you long enough or something cheesy yeah. like that. And everybody is happy to survive. But like. Oh God. Yeah. What? And. Then we cut to Hobbs taking Decker Shaw to a high security prison where mm-hmm. Shaw kind of says he'll be breaking out. And he's like, good luck with all this still concrete. It's on the ground, blah, blah, blah. Cool. The rest of the team are relaxing on a beach. Brian and Mia are playing with Jack and they're kind of off in the distance by the actual water. And the team, the other, the rest of the crew are just kind of sitting back, acknowledging that Brian is now happily retired with his family. And then we proceed to basically just have a really nice tribute to Paul Walker. And the actors all get to kind of say their piece with Brian. And, and again, this is like, uh, like sort of mirrors the funeral scene with Han that like, Mm -hmm. again, it's them talking about Brian, but at the same time, it's the real life actors having a moment to talk about Paul Walker. And it's really nice. And it is very nice. Dom leaves very sweet. without saying goodbye. Brian catches up to him at a stoplight and says, you aren't going to say goodbye. And then they race off for one last time before they, like you said earlier, take separate paths and the credits roll. And we do Gets not get every time. Do not get anything else. There's no post-credit scenes, no mid-credit scenes. This it's is it. for Paul. And, and it was so beautiful. That is, I think, re- like really well done 
Again, I mentioned throughout the film, there was moments where I thought Paul Walker was going to die. And I was just like, holy shit, because I didn't know. I didn't know they were going to retire him. And it didn't clock until this scene that that's what they were doing. And I was just like, are they going to have a post-credit scene? Are they going to kill him? And then I was like, oh, no, they just they retired him. And that's it. And that's all they need to do. And it was really nice. And it was I'm glad they went that way. But James Wan, you son of a bitch in your horror movie making self had me thinking throughout this film that he was going to get murdered. And it was just like, holy shit, I don't know if that's in good taste or not. But yeah. they certainly ended it in really, really good taste. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's get into the music as we're wrapping up here. Brian Tyler, mm-hmm. he's back. Uh, he wasn't in the last film, if you remember. I said that he was doing uh, Thor, The Dark World, but he's back this time for the original score. More of the same we've been getting the last few films is fine, but where the real money is, is the actual soundtrack. Ariane, I think this felt like an old school Fast and Furious soundtrack. The best one. Oh, yeah. The best one since like Tokyo Drift, probably. Really good. It works so well throughout the film. There was, like, I didn't think about how it was just thriller music score or action movie score throughout the film like the previous few films have been. They use actual songs really well throughout the film. And And it was really nice. Like, period appropriate. Yeah. It's not like hearkening back to the sound that they were going for in 2006, you know what I mean? And I thought yeah. it was really, yeah. really cool. And I think they started doing it for the eighth one as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't remember the track there. But music here, with the, the, the hit of 2015, See You Again by Liz Khalifa featuring Travis yes. which was like such a breakout track. It's been a long that song is such a meme now like i feel like i see it all the time like (laughs) as a meme and silly videos like tiktoks and stuff but it was a good song and it was a big deal for this film like you said it was the best-selling song of 2015 it was shortlisted as song of the year at the bbc music awards and it was nominated for best original song at the golden globes so it was a big big deal and they use it at the end. It's really nice the way they do it. Uh, it's, yeah, just a really, I, I, I can't say anything wrong with it. It was great. Um, we we also have Temptus by Deftones. So we're not just, we like, it, it has a nice mix of old school film, like the old school uh, Fast and Furious music where you get a bit of this sort of weird metal-y music playing, like at least one. And then the rest yeah. is sort of nice hip-hop R&B uh, just a nice, dead. good mix. So we get Go Hard or Go Home by Wiz Khalifa and Iggy Azalea. We get Ride Out by Kid Ink, Tyga, Whale, YG, and Rich Homie Kwan. We get Offset by T.I. and Young Thug. Turned Down for What by DJ Snake classic, Lil and Lil John. So that was a big, big deal. Yeah, I forgot Young Thug was on. <laughs> we get Get Low by Dylan Francis and DJ Snake and My Angel by Prince Royce. And also GDFR Noodles Remix by Flo Rida. So a lot of these songs, I didn't really know them, but I was going through the soundtrack and I was like listening to it the other night. And like, I don't know them by name, but I was like, oh yeah, I remember that song. I remember that song. I remember that song. So yeah, Yeah. solid, solid soundtrack. Um, Good to see it back. For real, it was like a serious song when I was in my school. Not serious in the sense that everybody liked it, but in the sense that it was everywhere. I heard it everywhere. (laughs) Solid, yeah. solid, solid effort. 
So Furious 7 would finally premiere on the 1st of April 2015 at the TCL Chinese Theater, a.k.a. Grauman's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, earlier, I said that it was due to come out in, in April. It was supposed to be the 10th of April, but they actually ended up moving it up a week early and it was released worldwide or at least wide in the United States the 3rd of April. Worldwide, it sold the largest IMAX release in history to this point, released across 810 IMAX theaters. And the film would ultimately gross $353 million in the U.S. and Canada and a further $1.163 billion in other territories for a worldwide total of $1.516 billion against a $190 million budget. Holy shit. Holy shit. And it was the fastest film to reach the $1 billion mark at that time, doing so in just 17 days. Shortly before being beaten by Jurassic World later in the year. And then again, that was beaten by Force Awakens towards the end of the year. Do you know what film holds the number one ranking now for reaching $1 billion in the record five days? I mean, it'll be easy. It's not Endgame, is it? Yes. Is it Endgame? Endgame. Five days. Holy shit. That's so much money. But that's, you know, gives you uh, just an idea of how much tickets cost these days. And of course, critically, it was the best received film of the franchise to date. Holy shit. Like, mm. no no Fast and Furious film has been this highly received. Not even the first one. So, Ariane, we're at the point where we must do what we do. We must rank our Fast and Furious films. Given what we know now, Furious 7, where are you putting it on your list? So I have a lot more, I've put in a lot more thought about my ranking because I've re- recently revisited all of them again. Yeah. Because um, they're like available on the streaming service. Um, <laughs> so my ranking right now goes one, six for sentimental reasons. So it goes one, six, two, five, Four, five, seven, four, three. So Tokyo Drift is still dead last. The first one is still my favorite, but I like Furious Seven better than I like Fast Okay, great. Yeah. What yeah. about you? All right, so I've got a new entry into the top three. So we've got Fast and Furious. When I last laughed off, it was Fast Five, then Fast Six, but then Furious Seven has jumped up. So Fast and Furious. Uh, with the OG number one uh, Fast Five Furious Seven this film was strong I I know you have it a bit lower on yours but like I said if we would have taken that stupid jumping through (laughs) this whole section out this film would have probably been like really close to the first one I loved it mainly because of this goddamn rock bottom and uh, just insanity with Power Rangers Turbo flying cars out of the sky mission sky Sky mission Mission. so silly so yeah and then furious six and then we've got fast four you know fast and furious too fast too furious and then tokyo drift yeah good i mean you know it's good solid list and like i said earlier tokyo drift i mean i'll probably give it a little too harsh treatment but uh it's a solid film (laughs) it's like now that you know everything you know now because it has so much Implications. To do with Tokyo Drift. Yeah. I mean, this film 
fix the timeline. This is the one where it really established the timeline. Because yeah. it's the so first like, one yeah. where we're back in the future, like in they, now. You know. They finally move on from 2006. <laughs> which is great. Yeah. All right, Ariane, that was Furious 7. R.I.P. Paul Walker. Rest in peace. Yeah. But, hey, he's still very much alive. Yeah, uh, in Brian our O'Connor. hearts. Brian O'Connor is this, very much In all alive. of our hearts. Yeah. Still alive in this franchise. I, I Like, I, I really enjoy that they didn't... They didn't... Just completely kill him off. Yeah, they retired him. Like I said, it was... Which I think is In the really episode, I, I was talking about how it felt sort of touch and go. Like, mm-hmm. w- like for me, because I had no idea. Like, because yeah. I hadn't watched these films, so I didn't yeah. know what they what they did with Brian and I was so worried because there's so many amazing sort of scenes where I was just like are they gonna kill him here like the fucking bus scene are they gonna kill him here (laughs) the bus scene he's like still climbing on a bus oh my god insane that seems insane yeah so there's a lot of fun stuff that went on in this film and uh yeah I had a good time as always, you can follow us at Breadcrumbs Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can learn more about the Breadcrumbs Collective at breadcrumbscollective.com. Uh, feel free to reach out and let us know what you think about the show. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps us out, and yes. we would love to grow the show, so please do leave us a review. Very kindly, please and thank you. <laughs> With cherries yeah. and nostalgia. Sorry, top. we keep saying that each and every week, but yeah. you know we gotta we gotta grow the we show. We gotta get out there. We need more people yeah. listening to it, and your your ratings and reviews really can help that out. More people can discover us, and we've got Indeed. a lot of fun things ahead. Yes, uh, for the whole breadcrumbs collective in the future. So yeah, just keep on listening, and supporting, and we thank you guys. But and next week, the stank that uh, kind of came at the end of this film Oof. in the climax. With Dwayne Johnson, and uh, yeah, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really carried on next yeah. week. Yeah, it's all say. gets a little downhill. Uh, gets a little real. It gets a little personal. What is the smell yeah. the Rock is cooking? It's beef. That's what he's cooking. Yeah. He's cooking he's up some cooking beef. beef. Yeah, and also I think uh, he's cooking up some steaming piles of shite because yeah, <laughs> next piles week's of, episode piles of candy asses. Ooh. God. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. He he is making candy. Was, um yeah. shaping them into butts. <laughs> All right. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys want to hear us uh talk about a film that we don't necessarily like, yeah. but we talk a lot about a lot of dumbass beef that's pretty damn funny. Mm-hmm. Beef Watch is back on next week, so stay tuned for that. If you're ready for it, we're ready for it. Oh yeah. Fast eight next week. Fate of the Furious. Yeah. Fate of the Furious, or as I like to call it, the hate of the Furious. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, guys. Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery Main, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.